Hello, this is James, and welcome to the World of Work podcast. I'm flying solo as a host for this episode, and I'm super excited to be joined by Jamie Mitchell to talk about all things responsible business. It's a topic we really care about, so it's great to be exploring it in more detail. You can learn more about All Together, the community interest company that Jamie founded to provide pro bono advice to CEOs via their website, altogether.company. And of course, you can learn more about the World of Work project at our website, www.worldofwork.io. All right, let's get into the conversation. So here we are in the main body of today's conversation, and we've got a really great guest lined up today. We're going to be speaking to Jamie Mitchell, who, amongst other things, is the founder of All Together, which is a community interest company that helps purpose-driven chief executives mentor each other for, for better business outcomes. Um, and he's got a, a great background with a lot more than that that he'll explain in a minute. And today we're, we're going to be speaking about... I guess, responsibility in business and what that means from a leadership perspective and, and what our organizations can do better to have more of a beneficial impact on society. But before we get into that, Jamie, could you say hi and introduce yourself and maybe flesh out my introduction there to, to your background? Thank you. Hello. Hello. Uh, yeah. So, uh, look, m- most of my time at the moment is correctly spent with uh, Altogether, uh, uh, trying to build this very young social enterprise. Um, but I, I'm also a uh, chairman at a couple of businesses. I, I chair Rare Restaurants, which is uh, includes the brands like Gaucho and M Restaurants. I think you have a Gaucho in Edinburgh. Hopefully, hopefully you go. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, it's. I think Thank it's still you. closed, but I have definitely uh, no, frequented it. Oh, is it open now? Okay, cool. Well, we'll shout that out. Uh, yeah, anyway. Anyway, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I'm in Edinburgh, I'll take yes. You. Um, uh, as well as some, uh, uh, I do some work with the Mayor of London. I sit on a local economic partnership. I'm juggling a few balls at the moment, uh, but I guess historically I'm a, a, a serial chief executive. Uh, and entrepreneur. So I've uh, I've run a venture capital company. I used to run Innocent Drinks in the UK. I then went on to run Dalesford, the organic farm to fork business. I've also been CEO at Tom Dixon, which is a design, furniture and lighting design business, global brand. Uh, so I, you know, I, I've definitely got a long track record of leading businesses. Uh, and now I'm sort of spending most of my time helping other leaders. Yeah, brilliant. And, and I love the, the sort of breadth of experience that you have in there. It spans many different areas, which is I, I think really probably great for giving you an insight into some of the things that we could change about what our businesses do and, and some of the roles that, that the businesses play in, in society. Um, I guess at the minute you are focusing a bit more on responsibility. I, I've seen some of your panels where you, you've spoken about this. I guess I'd like to explore first, why are you drawn to responsibility and what does responsibility mean for you from that business perspective? Well, I've got a crass answer, which is I'm a human being. Right. <laughs> I don't understand. And, and, and businesses are human organizations. I mean, they're communities of people. So, so that, that I don't I've never really understood the, the antithesis of, of responsible business. But uh, look, the history is a I, I guess I started off from an intellectual point of view in the 90s. Um, I think you, you studied economics, too. I studied economics and economics answered everything on paper. And then I went out into the world of work and was a bit confused uh, it didn't seem quite like that. Uh, and I, I had the pleasure after a few years of being a management consultant, consultant I worked at the CBI, which, you know, is, is a fabulous organization uh, that's full of really smart people thinking about stuff. And I worked with a chap called Adair Turner, Lord Turner now, and he's, uh, he's brilliant. And some of the work we did then back in the 90s was, was around this theory of stakeholder capitalism, which, you know, John Kay and Will Hutton, back in the day was speaking about and I was really drawn to it this this idea that actually 
um, uh, society and businesses uh, are, are responsible to a broad array of, of stakeholders. It made a lot more sense than, than this idea that we're just motivated and driven and act for one purpose, which is money. Um, and I guess uh, that, that was an intellectual base, but uh, accidentally or on purpose, I ended up running purposeful organizations. I mean, the venture capital company I set up in 1999, going back a bit here, but it was the first wave of the internet, and we had a strong purpose, which was to bring the energy and excitement and power of entrepreneurship, which I'd witnessed in the US in my days at business school there, to bring it to Europe, because it looked like it was such a, a positive uh, and energizing world. So I, I, I had a business with purpose, and then I got this job at Innocent, tiny little smoothie business. And I was running their UK business, and that really changed everything. Because Innocent wasn't just a business with purpose, it was a business that cared and wanted to leave the, the world a little bit better than it found it. And I'm afraid sort of it's, it's as simple as that, you know, amalgamation of, of experiences. I went on to Dalesford, which was all about sustainable farming and sustainable food. And, uh, you know, it's, then, it's in your blood and DNA by this point. So, yeah, today's, today's tub thumping has a long history. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Um, just on Adair Turner, there's just a little shout out. He's got a great lecture at Johns Hopkins, um, which you can find on YouTube. It's something like 90 minutes on the future of work. And, and it's brilliant. And it speaks to a lot of these these factors. So I'd, I'd really recommend. Um, I, I haven't seen out. it and I will. I yeah, will it's lovely. It. It's, I mean, it's a couple of years old, but it's brilliant. He's, he's uh, yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I remain his, his, a great fan of his. Uh, and you'll remember after the financial crisis, he was one of the few people that really called out what was wrong with the city. Uh, and and how you know thirty percent of the work that the city does was 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 irrelevant and 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 not added value. I mean, it's you know he's he's uh, he's he's a true progressive. Yeah, something that that struck me as you were talking through your background there and and what's led you here, and it sort of reflects my own experience. I, I kind of feel that once you step back from business and and as you sort of alluded to in, in your introduction, once you see it as a construct that we've made. And, and you can see the impact that it has on people. I think it's really hard not to be an advocate of responsible business. Yeah, I mean, um, you, you're entirely right. Once you look at uh, the impact it has outside of its day to day, and particularly to begin with, you look at the negative impacts. I mean, let's let's be clear. The movement today is a movement about positive impact. But the movement used to be a movement about mitigating our negative impacts, making up for the bad things we, we, we sort of did by default because it wasn't in the, the business model. But now it's moved a lot. But yes, you can't, you can't help but, uh, but see it that way. Look, the, the alternative point of view had a 30-year run. And the alternative point of view, which is very much embedded in trickle-down economics, is that if, if, if individuals and business focus on their own self-interest from a money point of view, it flows down and everybody gets richer and better off and that money makes everybody happier and all the rest of it. And that's just been blown out of, out of the water, you know, for the last 10 years, looking at inequality stats and data and the, the, you know, the, the failure of trickle-down economics. Uh, and it's part and parcel of the same thing. Right. It just it just simply is. You can't uh, you can, I don't think there is a counter argument anymore that the best thing business can do is only focus on profits, uh, particularly when you have the, the world world burning, as it were. Yeah, absolutely. You know, with that rising tide analogy or, or metaphor, you know, the rising tide rising all ships, you know, it, it's it's not the case. So it's good to good to see some of those ways that we think about business being challenged and accepted more into the mainstream. Um, 
one of the things that comes up sometimes when we speak about the responsibility of business does go back to that, um, you know, that profit motive. And, and, and I guess the question is, can you be a responsible business, a business for good, and still be a business that's driven by profit? How do you balance those, those two things? What are, you, what are your views on that? Well, first of all, uh, let's take timeframes into account. Uh, uh, my, my firm belief is you can't have long-term sustainable profitability unless you are uh, a force for good too. Um, let's, let's take two examples. Uh, the planet and our people. And if you think about the planet, uh, there is no way business can survive and, and generate profits if we let the planet be destroyed. It will, it will affect every market, every industry. You know, there, there is such a clear self-interest in the long term for business to sort out climate change. Um, so they go hand in hand. Uh, and then think about your employees, and particularly, you know, I see you have as much hair as I have. Actually, you've got a little bit more, but younger, younger, possibly, employees. possibly, yes, yes. I've got years uh, to go. I'll catch up Gen, in time. Don't worry, Gen Z, but but you know, frankly, the millennial community too. Uh, uh, they will not work for a business that isn't uh, mindful of its impact, and preferably looking to change the world for the better. So, if you want the best talent. And you want to sustain a high quality, uh, um, a high quality workforce. You're going to have to do this stuff too. So the long term is, it is a commercially self interested concept. Um, getting there sooner, being a leader in the space, uh, uh, um, I think is also of commercial benefit, particularly in consumer markets and consumer brands, where where customers are increasingly choosing brands based on their their impact. But the truth then comes. I think the speed with which you as a business wants to have impact in the world is a trade-off with short-term profits. No doubt about it. I, I remember vividly, too long ago, the decision we took at Innocent to move our banana supplier to Rainforest Alliance. Absolutely core to our values that, that we would be having sort of the most sustainable supply of bananas, but it was a half a million pound decision for what was a 15 million pound revenue business at that time. But it was probably one of the shortest decisions, one of the sort of discussions once we found a reliable supply at, at, at quality. Um, but there's no doubt you've got to take some short term, short term hits. You can't do this at the expense of profit entirely because then you risk going under. You look at Danone and the the, the fuss about uh, um, Faber, the CEO there, who's been fired essentially, and, and the press has been saying it's because he took too much of a responsible business approach. That's not true. He didn't take enough care of the business or for some reason the business was really underperforming and, and, and needed fixing. Uh, it's not because his eye was off the ball doing all the good stuff, but his eye was definitely off the ball on the profit stuff. And I think that comes down to the crux of this problem. It's hard work to do both. It really is. Yeah. And I'd like to touch a little bit more on that role of a leadership in a couple of minutes. But your point about the attraction and, and retention of talent, I think, is, is really powerful. And the other day I was speaking to somebody who is um, on the cusp of partnership in McKinsey. They're you know, an associate partner and they're looking to leave. And they're looking to leave because they want that responsibility. So they're trying to find where are their organizations or sectors that they can go into, where they can use their skills um, they're to an AI good. specialist to do good, right? And this right. is a young, upwardly mobile, eminently successful person who's just sort of reaching a stage where they can't balance that 
sort of moral turmoil between what they're doing and what they want to be doing. And and I, you know, it'd be interesting watching. And you've got a, a an eight an eight year old, and I've got a seven year old. Um, as they get into the workforce, what are they going to be like? I suspect even more extreme on this, uh, to be perfectly honest. Um, uh, and let's not pretend this isn't cycles. You know, there were periods in the early part of the 20th century of great paternalistic, albeit civil leadership, civic leadership from business and, and real care big, big uh, manufacturers took of their communities and of their people and, uh, um, uh, and and we need we just need twenty or thirty years of 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 that uh, moral agenda again to balance out the last thirty years. Um, and I have no doubt; I'm sure some form of the, the the alternative viewpoint will become vogue again in the future. Just don't I don't want it in my lifetime or my working lifetime. Well, you know what? Right next to us, I'm I'm up in Edinburgh. Is this is now, and right near us is New Lanark, which I think is something like 1730s a cooperative movement that was all about responsible business, right? I mean, this, this is a fantastic place to visit. You can see that community there. And clearly that's in and out of fashion. But like you say, you know, I, I'm hopeful that the oscillations of opinion change that sort of trend direction towards more responsibility. And I, I think they need to. Well, let's, let's just take a moment to realize how much uh, movement we have seen on this pre-COVID um, the last three or four years before before COVID uh, have been amazing for the progressive uh, business movement. Uh, you know, you had uh, Larry Fink come out at, at BlackRock, you know, the largest investment manager in the world, saying business needs to have clarity of purpose. Uh, you had the Business Roundtable in the US, which is the equivalent of the CBI here in the UK, saying the purpose of business is and uh, a beyond profit statement, um, and and uh, you had suddenly had this groundswell. You had huge money flows into ESG investing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Then COVID happened. I was a bit worried actually. I thought COVID was going to take a step, make take a step back because we we did in business all have to focus on our bottom lines. Of course we did, um, but uh, the truth is actually we saw an even bigger shift towards more progressive business values as business helped out, as businesses volunteered their time, their energy, their capabilities, their skills to solve the problems and help the most needy. And they found a, a whole new, we found a whole new uh, uh, sort of civic leadership uh, come out of that, that, you know, is, is being sustained today and people want to sustain today. So I think it's an extraordinary, exciting moment. You know, it is really hard uh, to find someone who's willing to argue against progressive business values, practices, responsible business. That doesn't mean there aren't people sitting there thinking this is all a woke agenda gone too far, but, it, you know, they, they, they are at least quiet for now. So we have a real moment to seize and, and, and make permanent shifts and changes. And, and you know what, in that disruption of COVID, which has been such a global thing, I, I think there have been shifts not just to those in business and the, the way that business is working, but also shifts at a more of a societal level and at the consumer level. So, so people have taken a step back and they've said, you know what, we are connected um, clearly within our communities and, and we can see the, the impact at that viral level of our actions on others. And, and I think with that has come a more of an awareness of the impact we have in, in other areas of our lives. And also through the, the sort of withdrawal and, and seclusion aspects that come with 
the, the lockdowns, I think people have had time to reflect on what really matters to them. And that, right. that pause and that breathing out as a, as a globe to just take a moment has helped us reassess a little bit. And I'd love to see that, that the, the great momentum that's been achieved in this past 15 months in terms of people's thinking and, and the changes that have been made at civic levels, if we look at our cities and the changes that have made in businesses, to have that momentum carry on. And I guess that's a question for you. How, how do you think that, that we can help that momentum carry on? Or, or do you think it will naturally? What are your thoughts on that? continued change well first of all can i just say you're so right about that pause that communities society and individuals have had as a result of covid uh, and 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 a moment of of mindfulness for everybody in forced mindfulness uh, for, for 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 so many people not everybody there are plenty of people who had an awful awful stressful covid and we should we should relate to it and and very hard to take the time to to rethink your priorities uh, when you're juggling two full-time jobs and two kids under five, as a lot of people in my community were doing. But look, I, I, I completely agree. And how do we uh, how do we make sure this is a permanent shift? Um, how do we make sure business, to use that phrase, leans into this uh, and, and makes, it, makes it permanent? Well, first of all, I think it will naturally be. And the question is just one of scale. We're not going to go back uh, to to the way things are. That is, that is for sure. You can just feel that in the conversations you're having I have with business leaders on a daily basis. Um, But there are things that can be done. So I'm part of a a campaign called the Better Business Act, um, which is calling for a change in the law. Very technical detail, Section 172 of the Companies Act uh, spells out company directors' responsibilities. And currently it says a company is run for the benefit of its members, i.e. shareholders, comma, but please take into account society and planet stuff. So not many people know, by the way, that the Companies Act actually does ask you as a company director to take this stuff into account. Um, but we have a moment now where we can scrap the, scrap the comma and bring real parity to why a company is run and the purpose of business and say it, it should be run for the benefits of its members, yes, and for society and for the planet. So a simple change in the law uh, would be uh, hugely, hugely important. So things like the Better Business Act, which any businesses uh, listening in now, I, I, I highly, highly recommend and, and, and plea to go and join the coalition and sign up, um, calling for that change. So I think things like that help. Um, but then there are plenty of other movements and organisations around that are trying to bed this stuff in. Uh, and I think we can celebrate that. There was an organisation... Uh, recently that announced 14 FTSE 100 uh, members, uh, which is called the Purpose Full Company or Purpose Company, uh, something uh, set up by uh, or, 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 or with Will Hutton's involvement. I mentioned him earlier. Um, there are lots of uh, uh, businesses that are helping uh, companies define and develop their purpose and their, how they're going to do impact. And of course, let's not forget every business is addressing its net zero challenge, and the government is demanding more and more of this from business. I mean, the government's investigating new reporting requirements around how you're going to get to net zero, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of pressure anyway, all in the right direction here. Uh, so I'm, 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 I'm the most optimistic I frankly have ever been uh, that we are seeing this shift and we're seeing this shift at pace. There's um I I I echo all those points and, and there are a couple of other things that I've seen happening 
over the last 18 months that I think have been quite interesting. And one of the things that I've liked about the examples I'm going to give are that they're fairly public participatory and and sort of civic involvement and, and pushing for some of these. So obviously, uh, I'm sure you're aware Amsterdam as a city has, has moved to embrace the donut. the donut, right? So we've got it's the donut, donut city, which is lovely, right? So So seeing that come through is great. And then another one that I really liked was the Canton of Geneva in Switzerland, basically voted um, through participatory, you know, direct democracy, that companies should be accountable throughout their supply chain for the actions of everyone throughout their supply chain. So that legal accountability felt like a really great thing. So yeah. that, that sort of public opinion and pushing towards those things is great. And well, here that, in, I was just to say, yeah. here in Edinburgh, the city is doing some, some really pretty good things about the access and travel and, and all those factors that I consider beneficial to well-being and environmentalism. Again, as, as that part of, uh, you know, consultation with the public. So, so you, you you can't have systemic change if it's just one part of the system moving. And so the fact that, uh, you know, governments are, are being innovative, like the, the Amsterdam one, I'd like to come back to donuts. Uh, uh, um, uh, the fact that uh, public opinion is shifting uh, uh, in in this in the way it has been, um, but you also can't have it unless business takes its lead. So that's why that you know this 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 business led world of change is really the most exciting bit for me because normally you have to drag business kicking and screaming, right? So the CBI this week uh, published their 2030 vision for the UK economy in a document called Seize the Moment, and I kid you not. I could have written it. It felt so progressive. Brilliant. It, it had it had the, this concept of business in the service of the nation, which is as close as I think we can get the CBI to saying business as a force for good, um, and uh, and and stipulated in no uncertain terms that business needs to play its part in net zero, play its part in leveling up play its part in, 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 in the diversity agenda and that this can't be something that we wait for government to regulate on and we have to take a lead on it. Great. Yeah, brilliant. On, on that very point, we, we haven't even brought in the, the conversation about equality and things like that. Uh, if we look across the US recently, where um, this is uh, May 2021, I just had to check. Can you believe it? I've lost your date. Um, May 2020, almost June. Um, Unfortunately. When we, when we look across some of the US political action recently, we, we've seen what is being billed to some extent as efforts at voter suppression to some extent in some of the state legislators. And, and in response to that, We've seen a fair number of, of large organizations stepping up and saying, we disagree with this or, or we'll move our business elsewhere or moving sporting events to different yeah. places. So stuff coming out of Georgia, stuff out of Texas. What's your view of that? I mean, what's your view of a role of business in that situation? It feels like such a nuanced, complicated action. And it's, it's an amazing, awful it's, it's, question. It's, well, no, but it's also just so America that uh, if, you, if we'd been talking a few years ago, we'd have been talking about how America is so behind the times on on progressive values and, and activism, and then and now it's like <laughs> every business has adopted it as a as a matter of principle. I mean, it just moves so quickly, doesn't it? 
Um, look, I think it, uh, it, it it's probably never going to happen to that effect in in in, in Blighty. I mean, we're far too uh, you know, yeah, moving out of Shropshire or something like that. My place to say, um, but I think there's a lot to look at in what is happening in America and and to 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 be inspired by. And I'm particularly interested. So you mentioned the inequality piece. Mm. I think if there's one charge to make against British business is we're much more interested in the planet agenda and our own people's well-being as an agenda, because that makes total sense to focus on that than we are about can we play or do we have a responsibility to sort out the inequality issue. Now, the easiest place to look because of Black Lives Matter is diversity. And again, look to the US. You know, The financial services industry last week in the US got together and put together this extraordinary plan of uh, of upheaval in their own organisations, significant investment in underrepresented communities. I, I mean, it was a it was a blueprint for how do you move something fast because they know they need to, and they know they've got the power to do it. Uh, and and far more is being done in the US on this today than we're seeing here. With the exception, I think I, I'm a big fan of Lord Billamoria, who is also the president of the CBI at the moment, the Cobra Beer founder, who is leading and tub thumping the diversity agenda uh, in big business in 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 a, in a huge way. But I think we've got a lot more to do here, and I think we're a bit shy as business uh, on on this stuff. Partly because, let's face it, inequality exists in business. That or the increasing inequality exists in business. It's not just something that happens in the outside world. It is happening in our organisations. The the incre- ever increasing pay of, of CEOs drags up the leadership team, but we haven't seen the the, the pay change at the the lower levels of the organisation. So we are as guilty as as the economic model around us in this regard, and it needs. It, that's one area where I think we've got a lot more work to do. There's no doubt in my mind. And, and sort of just building on that and maybe circling us back a little bit, one of the things that I think comes out to me from Donut Economics as a concept and, and when I've heard Kate speak on this is the sort of readdressing or the reboundering of externalities in business, right? So, so when I yes. was doing my economics degree, we'd talk about externalities, positive or negative impacts outside the domain of your business, effectively. But, but when you hear Kate speak about this, she, she fundamentally says there are no externalities because the circle is so big that we're all in the same systemic boat right. together. Now, when we think about inequality, I think one of the jumps that I don't feel that we've necessarily made yet is that inequality is itself to some extent, the, the broadening of those circles. So where others have a better existence, that translates through to a better outcome for me as an individual because that circle is drawn so wide around us. And, and yes. I'd like to think that things like public health are a great example, right? If we can improve public health across the world, we, we help everyone have better health. It, it helps the self-interest of those privileged few who are at the top end of that unequal cycle. Um, and it just doesn't feel to me yet as if we've quite made that conceptual jump in relation to inequality, what do you think about about that? I I I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and and actually, let's just take a moment and celebrate Kate Rayworth. Absolutely. While we're on this. I, I maybe you've talked about uh, Kate's work in in previous podcasts, but I you know it's not just for those of us who studied the the wrong economics when we went to university, like you and I did. Uh, but if you studied economics. At university, this is the book that answers all your questions of what of why you couldn't 
you know, why it didn't make any sense. Um, but you know, like she she has this very simple framework in the in the donut that brings together everything you know, that we've been getting excited about for the last few years in trying to figure out what's wrong with economics and what's wrong with the capitalist system and all the rest of it. And and I just recommend it as a read to everybody. It, it has become my uh, 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 blueprint for the businesses that I work with, actually. I, I, it just is the easiest way of explaining impact. Choose how you are well, understand how you are negatively impacting on planet and society. And that means not just looking at climate change, but looking at the seven planetary boundaries. Look how you influence impact negatively or not on the uh, the, the inner circle of the donut, the UN social development goals. Uh, take a step back, look at it, and now say, how do I want to make a difference? Um, because I do want to take this this moment to talk about the difference between purpose, social purpose-led business and normal, normal everyday business, right? There are so many amazing and exciting and motivating relatively new businesses, and Innocent was one of the earliest ones, that had purpose and responsibility built in from their founding principles, and it's so exciting. And they're going to attract the best people, and they're going to make great waves in the world. Um, for the vast majority of businesses now today, they struggle with this question of how do I become a bit more like that? Because I wasn't founded with a social purpose in mind. I was founded with a very simple business idea and, and, and we've been very profitable and we've made et cetera, et cetera. So how do I pivot into a more purposeful organization is, is a much more difficult challenge. And I think the first thing to say is you're not going to redefine your purpose because that should be clear already. And if it's not a social purpose, that's fine. Every business has a purpose. You know, even if it's just the, the you know making your customers happy, you've got a, you've got a purpose that, that is the reason everyone gets up in the morning. But you've got to choose how you want to impact the world now, and 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 finding ways that that make sense for your business to make a difference in the world, whether it's a, the planet boundary or in the in, in the society boundary of of the donut. And, and then make some targets and measure your progress. Uh, treat it like a financial target and sit them alongside your financial targets and live and breathe a, 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 a more human set of values in your organization. Um, it isn't as easy as it sounds, um, but it's really, it, it, it's really important to do it and, uh, and, and sort of go through that process. And so many businesses are. I've got a very good friend who is a partner at a city law firm. I'll say this because I'm not naming him. He's also probably the only person I know who just doesn't buy this stuff at all. Okay, I, wow, okay. He, 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 he will, but he won't say it publicly, but you know, the purpose of business is to make money. Get out yeah. of my way. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but his law firm is currently doing its what is our purpose, you know, engagement work, mm. which, you know, Frankly, this is a city law firm that does corporate transactions. Yeah. I can't wait to see the outcome of it. But it's, it is hard work to go through this stuff and decide how you want to have impact and how you want to play your part in a world that needs business to be uh, contributing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so, so two thoughts straight, straight back on that. Um, and I think your experience probably helps you speak to both of them well. One, if you are in a senior position or in a leadership position in an organization and you're looking to exert some influence on these leaders of change to help your leadership team 
move towards more of this embracing and, and you face skepticism. Where do you think those inflection points are? What, what do you think your arguments are to convince your peers and the C-suite or other levels of leadership that this is mm. the right thing to do? What, what are those mechanisms? Well, uh, first of all, I'm delighted to say you don't need to do a huge amount of persuading today. Um, it's more how do you figure, how do you put a plan together than how do you how do you persuade people? But um, you know, if you have to persuade people, then we went through earlier, didn't we? Sort of, uh, we've got to be a great place for our employees, otherwise we're not going to have the talent. Uh, we do need to be uh, 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 playing our part in the environment and net zero because. Uh, otherwise, our business is going to suffer in the long term or in the short term because customers will move elsewhere. Uh, so you can make your commercial rationale to get everybody on board with it. I think it's much harder, though, to figure out how to do it uh, and, and what to do it. I mean, even on net zero, it's really easy to make a big statement that in 30 years we will be net zero. The question is, what am I going to do today and what am I going to do this week uh, in order to get me on that that journey. Um, and so there's a huge amount of work and encouragement of all businesses to measure their carbon footprint and to do the easy wins. That's this year's job. If you haven't been on this journey already, that's the job for this year. Measure it, know where it is, uh, do the easy wins and write the plans for how you're going to innovate the rest of the carbon out of your out of your chain. Now, one of my businesses, I run a, a, a I'm chairing a, a, a steak restaurant, right? Gaucho is a steak restaurant. Steak is not the food du jour for the environmental movement. And you know, two years ago, pre-COVID, we when we we, re, we reinvested and revamped the brand in one of our restaurants, we made a commitment that that would be a carbon neutral restaurant while we started to figure out the rest. So we took one of our restaurants, so that's going to be carbon neutral. If we haven't reduced down enough of the carbon, we will just mitigate the rest. But And we know that's not the best way of doing it, but we've got to, you know, we've got to be on a journey. Um, and in the next year, and during lockdown, we've been spending a lot of time researching and working with our supply chain to figure out how do we stop cows burping so much methane <laughs> out into the air, right? I mean, yeah, the day, this yeah. is what you've got to do. You've got to figure out the feed stuff. and you It's really hard. It's really hard. You've got a supply chain in, in, in Argentina that doesn't buy this stuff, doesn't get it that much, uh, doesn't realize why, why this is so important. Um, uh, so you've got to, it's a long process. It's a long, long process. Um, and, you know, it doesn't mean we can't, uh, you know, uh, be a steak restaurant. Uh, there can still be a small amount of steak that we eat in the world, and there's no reason why that can't be in the hospitality industry. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean we de facto should close down shop and, and, and get out of town, but we have a responsibility to do it in the best way we can and the most sustainable way we can, and that's where we get to you know, really invest our time and energy. And as I said, you can argue we have to do it because customers will stop coming to us if we don't. Or you can just see it as the moral imperative. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, 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 that weighing of a two, right? In, in so many different things that we, we speak about and, and the things that we do, there is the moral case and there is the, you know, the numbers case. And, and sometimes both of those arguments have a, have a place to play. Um, I was recommended a book the other day that I've not read yet, but it's on its way to me, which is called The Good Ancestor. Right. And, and so the language around the good ancestors, how mm. are we good ancestors? And, and that, that sort of metaphor for, for 
um, who we are in business feels really good to me. I, I, I would like to be a good ancestor come X number of years. And if there's one sort of phrase that encapsulates that, that I really like it. Um, I wanted to... I, I, like, I like that too. It's a nice uh, phrase, isn't um, it? It's, it's wholesome. Well, it, what it is, it, 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 it's, it's all very well for us parents with kids to, to say, what are we handing over to our children? But for everybody else, I think you need a broader metaphor. Yeah. So good ancestors. It's nice, isn't it? Um, I wanted to like delve into a little bit more broadly some of your background in, in relation to this. So I believe you've worked in venture capital or, or, or private equity or one of, one, of those, one of those fields early on. Both in many ways, but... Yeah. And so, so that's a field or, or a part of the world that sometimes has a negative reputation when it comes to this. That's me putting it lightly. <laughs> so what I guess I wanted to ask is, how does one go about financing these responsible businesses. What, what do you think that relationship is with um, venture cap and the VC community and that early startup funding? And, and how can you tap into resources in a responsible way when you're looking to, to grow and develop? I don't have all the answers on this, but let's just take a second and celebrate the good stuff before we tear down the venture capital and private equity industry. On the good stuff, uh, look in the last two or three years, how many new venture capital funds in the UK and in Europe, and I suspect the US, but I haven't looked at it, are purpose-led. Uh, I, I can think of two, Bloom uh, and uh, Giant. Uh, they may be small funds at the moment, uh, uh, um, but they are uh, will only back businesses that have impact. Yeah, and, and on that, there's... Um... One of your uh, one of your mentors is from Cook, and I know that one of the Cook co-founders has set up Snowball. I don't know if they're still going, but in fact, Snowball very much, which which is an investment. Uh, it's an, it's not a private equity or it's it's an investment management vehicle, um, but very much uh, creating a fund that is that is impactful. Uh, absolutely, and, and of course, a huge amount of the investment management industry surprisingly is buying into uh, environmental and sustainable. Uh, um, uh, investing um, in private equity, it's been slower. Sorry, I was about to say in the world of venture capital, they're doing that partly because most startups are set up by young millennials for whom this is inbuilt. So the VCs are catching up because maybe the VCs are doing because they want to change the world. Maybe they're doing it to appeal to the outcomes or outcomes, right? Yeah, outcomes, outcomes. Private equity has moved less quickly, but is beginning to move. So I would have said before lockdown, before before COVID, uh, that this was the last element. You know, middle middle tier businesses and, and private equity industry that that sort of plays in the mid market, it, it hasn't grabbed this agenda. I think that's changing a lot. There are new funds like the Future Business Partnership that are are only driven for impact investments. Uh, and I think, again, the private equity industry, just like big corporations, gets it now and is uh, is far more, in some cases, is driving their portfolio companies to be more progressive. And in some cases, is just saying yes to, to their portfolio companies' agenda. But it is, it is changing. That said, there is some fundamental flaws in, in both private equity and venture capital. Uh, they drive the inequality agenda, no doubt about it, because it, it's a it's a very big amount of reward for a small number of people in that industry, um, uh, and we have to be aware of that. They are taxed unfairly. I mean, you know, they still taxed uh, their, uh, their income is taxed as, as capital gains, so they don't have to pay that much tax. And so there's a lot of I think issues uh, in 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 that space, and yet there's also a lot of good that can come out of it. Um, so I think it's a very murky, murky 
issue this one. I, I uh, and I don't I don't pretend to know where the future lay lies on this, um, but there's no doubt that um, that there are issues that need addressing. In there. Yeah, yeah. I, I know um, one of my friends up here in, in Scotland is involved in social investment and, and trying to create new products that emulate more corporate products to support social investment. So community bonds or, um, you know, revenue fixed, uh, sorry, revenue dependent debt for social enterprises that are trying to emulate equity and things like that. But they're very much in that social space. Yes, it's, it's interesting. I think the social enterprise space um, is, is being usurped by social purpose-driven businesses. And I think that's okay because uh, um, I think, in fact, I think we want them to mix. You know, if there's one argument against the, the, the long history of social enterprises uh, is that they tend to come out of the charity sector and, and they tend not to have enough of a business mindset. You know, growth, the growth mindset of business is as applicable to impact as it is to profits. So, you know, if you're going to have an impact, you want to have a big impact. How can you do it in a self-sustaining way where, where you don't have to beg for the money? Is a, That set of business mentalities is good. However, you need more patient capital uh, um, and, and many more sources of, of that patient capital, the more progressive or the more purpose-led the, 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 the business is. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of an organization called the London Interdisciplinary School, which is a, uh, one of the first new universities, uh, as in a, a university that's been awarded its own, uh, a startup university that's been awarded its own um, uh, ability to award degrees. Uh, and it's built around the, the concept of interdisciplinary studies, that the world's so complex, we can't solve the problems if we're just a physicist. So we're going to learn a little bit of physics, we're going to learn a little bit of math, we're going to learn a little bit of of, of of history and social, all the bits of each subject we need to, to solve big problems. And the coursework is based around solving problems. So uh, it's just, it's just genius. It's just brilliant. It's investor base is not looking for venture capital returns or even private equity level returns. They are aware that they're going to get a very low return to their capital and they're doing it because they know how good and impactful this organization will be. Uh, and we just, we just, we're going to need to see more and more of that, I, I, I think, to, to support the entrepreneurs who do want to make the bigger changes. Um, I, if the, again, if there's a problem I have with a lot of the social enterprise out of the venture capital community, they also, I should say the purpose-led business, is they're solving middle-class problems. Fine, that's where the money is, and maybe we solve them first, and then we move down in the old-fashioned trickle-down approach to the really meaty problems. But you know, the, the, you probably need um, more entrepreneurs who've come from, for instance, society, parts of society that have the problems, uh, rather than the, the heavily uh, white middle-class community of venture capital community. Um, uh, so you need people who've seen the problems, who've been at the coalface of the problems. Uh, to to want to solve them, and then you'll need longer term capital to help uh, to help address. But I think business and, and startups and entrepreneurs have such an important role to play in this, and and hopefully we're seeing more and more finance available for them. Yeah, brilliant. Um, I'd like to to move on, and and you spoke a little bit there about supporting these entrepreneurs. So so one way, obviously, to support these purpose 
purpose-driven entrepreneurs is through that allocation of capital, that patient capital to help them do this. But, but also something that you're focusing on now is support through knowledge and mentoring and providing some of the insight that you've gained over your, your career. Could you just say a little bit about how that works within Altogether? Because it would be good to, to learn a little bit about how that mentoring works. Yeah, I mean, Altogether was an accident and, and a lucky accident. Um, I think if I'd come up with the idea of altogether a week later, it wouldn't have happened because I, I came up with it a week before Boris locked us down for the first time. I think if I'd have actually realised that the schools were about to close and my life was about to be hell, <laughs> I wouldn't have done it. Uh, so very accidental. Look, it was a, a, of the moment a, uh, oh, sugar, this is going to be really tough on every business. Uh, we need to help out. I've got some experience. I've just done crisis management at this business. I can I can help. Why don't I get a few friends together and we'll offer ourselves out to help other people. It was part of that great volunteering momentum. So I was very blessed that hundreds and hundreds of current and former CEOs all offered to volunteer to, to, to this organization. Um, and to begin with, we didn't really have a, a, a theory here. We just we just wanted to help out. So I didn't. I think we called it mentoring, coaching, and advice from leading CEOs for small business CEOs. But it, very much at its heart, if I'm honest, is this is this concept that being a CEO can be lonely at the best of times. Now, I've been one four times in my life, and I can confirm that it can be very very lonely at the top of an organisation. And if you are a smaller business, you are unlikely to have the network, the board of directors, uh, the investors. And even if you do, they've all got their agenda during crisis. Uh, And so, you know, that's where Altogether was born, an external sounding board from someone who's been there, done it for you to talk to. Where we are today is a realization that... uh, we, you know, it's, we have so much skills and experiences and capabilities in this community of people who have run larger businesses, if you like, uh, and we should share that widely and and help help other businesses who who could benefit from that experience uh, without thinking I have to charge for it. And for an hour or two a month to give my time to a, 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 another business seems like an easy thing to do to help and to make for better businesses. And I mean for better businesses in the broadest way, of course, because as you know, uh, uh, we, we, we fundamentally believe that all businesses need to be moving into a, into a business for good model. So we're also very sort of very keen on how we help businesses with that transition to a better business model. Um, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, it, it, this is about spreading best practice experience and ideas. Uh, to 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 businesses so that we can all bounce back better, build back better, uh, 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 rather than it just be a, a phrase that's relevant to bigger businesses at the moment. And and on that, I mean, you've talked there about the different scale of businesses, the, the types of organisations that you mentor, or the, the scale of organisations whose chief execs you mentor. How big are these? I mean, some people might say your experience has been in medium and larger organisations. Would would you be willing to? mentor somebody in a small organization or in a charity sector or, or what types of chief executives does so, your group work with? Very important uh, uh, because what we offer is five hours of free advice mm-hmm. um, and we do cap it because we're trying to have uh, impact. What what we have found is, is keep it close. So uh, for instance, I 
am chairman at a 80 million pound revenue restaurant business uh, that is very applicable to the owner of a five to ten million pound restaurant chain three sites in the south of london south of england for instance one of my mentees from the summer um we've very much kept it to verticals so we connect people who've got the right experience in that industry so it is like a big brother or a big sister kind of relationship straight away you understand the problems you know the problems it will not work as well i think if it is big big company so i i don't have I mean, I, I'm blessed on my, my own advisory board to have my friend Sebastian James uh, uh, supporting us, who's the CEO of Boots. But I'm not asking him. Actually, he'd be great as a mentor, uh, to be honest, because he used to be a, he used to be an entrepreneur and run small businesses. But on the whole, the CEO, the captains of industry have grown up in their functional roles through, through, through uh, big business. And it isn't quite as easy for them to convert their understanding in a short amount of time i think to the small business problem so so we're medium business leaders of medium-sized businesses however get it and understand it and it's it's very very similar to the to the smaller businesses we don't help startups there's other ways and other organizations to support the st- pure startup um we do th- sort of look for a minimum million of revenue to to be relevant to our community of advisors and volunteers um although some of our businesses are smaller that we help it's it's a bit of horses for courses here yeah brilliant okay that's really helpful just to to paint that picture of a type of people who um who you guys help um i guess getting to the end of a conversation we've covered loads loads of really great stuff i just would like to ask your thoughts on on one thing if you were to give sort of one free personal piece of advice to ceos out there who are maybe feeling a bit lonely and trying to do a good job in trying times what would that that piece of advice be to them? What's what's maybe one one reflection that you've taken away that's helped you in those moments of difficulty and loneliness as a as an exec? Well, uh, I mean, it will play into the concept of altogether, but let's be more specific about it. The times where I think I've been the worst version of myself as a CEO is when I haven't given myself the space and and the uh, engagement outside of the organization to think about things and uh, and and to bounce ideas off other people who aren't inside the, the business if you're too singular minded focused inside the organization which you have to be because there's always a hundred things to do in a day but I think that's where you I think that's where you you start to struggle the benefit of a of a conversation with someone who understands being a CEO, even if it's over a pint, a coffee, a lunch, uh, or in a formal setting like a coach coaching session or a mentor, or indeed if in five hours with all together, is invaluable to give you the space to think yeah, and the space to plan and the space to be better. Um, so you have to give yourself that. You have to give yourself that space and that gift if you want to be a really, uh, a, a really good, and I use the word advisably, good leader. Brilliant. Okay, well, that, that's some, some great closing thoughts there. Um, and obviously, Altogether is something that we think is, is, a, is a great venture, doing great stuff, and we will share the details Thanks. of that afterwards. Um, so, I mean, if you're sharing, the, the website is altogether.company with two L's all together but you'll be sharing that. Uh, look, no, thank you for having me. I have to say, very stimulating uh, conversation today. Thank you for, 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 uh, for, for inviting me on. A genuine pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode. Don't forget, as well as these podcasts, 
We deliver at least one free online seminar every month that everyone can attend. You can sign up for these and our newsletter, The Wow Mail, on our website, www.worldofwork.io. That's www.worldofwork.io.